it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray, and with me I have my fabulous co-host, Drew Haskins, and we have a very special guest with us, Charlie Bliss guitarist and friend of the show, certified friend of the pod, Spencer Fox. Welcome to the Girls Room. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you. I would love to first kind of just hear about your relationship to the show, Girls, and how did how you came to it. Where were you in your life upon your first watch? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this show... Julia, we're like about the same age, right? Am I like a year or two older than you? Yeah, I'd say. So when this show came out, were you still in high school or were you in college? We were Drew. Drew and I are the exact same age. How? Where? Where were we? We were okay. So first season came out when we were juniors in high school. Okay. And the season we're covering tonight, we were second semester seniors. Okay. Right. Right. So that's so that means it probably started when I was a freshman in college, and this came out when I was a. So, like nearing my end of sophomore year, um, which which checks out because my experience with like watching this show for the first time, like looking back, I just remember h- how horrible my media literacy was. Like mm-hmm. I remember like upon watching the first season of Girls being a freshman in college and being like, this show fucking sucks. This is so dumb. These people are horrible. Like they're so unlike. And I just remember like complaining about it to my uh, fellow peers at SUNY Purchase College. Um, and in retrospect, I am very aware of the fact that the only reason I felt this way is because I had no idea what I was actually watching. I had no idea how to like actually engage with intelligent media of of any sort. Um, and in the years that are, are, that, that have followed, I have come to hold this show very near and dear to my heart. So have you rewatched it since the initial airing? Like, how did you, how did you learn to love Lena? I learned to love Lena in a variety of ways. I've had a lot of, um, very important women in my life explain to me why, um, I am wrong about Lena Dunham, not in, not in regards to certain things that she has done as a public figure, but I think specifically in the context of this show, I think Girls is objectively a net gain for the culture. And I, I stand behind that um, through and through. But I, um, I had a professor my junior year of college. Um, we had just read... Um, Sheila Hetty's book, How a Person Should Be, which 
is definitely different from girls, but similar in the sense that all of the characters are intentionally very unlikable and very, you know, uh, destructive and narcissistic and vain, etc. And I was sort of like talking about my qualms, the book being like, you know, who would ever want to read something about people like this? It just reminds me of girls and girls fucking suck so much. And my professor in like such a measured and calm way was like, maybe there's something bigger here than just, you know, the person, you know, uh, in the cockpit here just decided to make something about terrible people. Like maybe there's like a bigger statement here and maybe there's something we can learn from watching people that we think are quote unquote terrible people carry out their lives. And I was like, oh, fuck, fuck. (laughs) You're right, shit. And I just, like, it was a big uh, galaxy brain moment for me. I love that. I'm actually surprised you didn't immediately like girls. I feel like... No, I used to be such a fucking idiot. No, I used to to be the worst, my dude. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you came around. I'm glad your professor said, maybe you just hate women. Yeah, my professor (laughs) took me in hand and said, do you maybe hate women? And I looked up with wide eyes. And I realized my mistake. Wow. And when was your last rewatch? Drew, did you did you did we cover that? I feel like I didn't get the answer. I don't think I got the answer either. Like do you I'm I'm ducking and weaving here. No, I I last rewatched the show uh last year. Oh, okay. And how do you sorry, Drew, go ahead. Here's go ahead, Julia, please. Um how do you think the show holds up? Like I think it hold like with each passing year, it becomes like a better, more like relevant and cutting show, which is kind of rare. It's a period piece. It's a real it's- period. It's the Mad Men of our time. <laughs> <laughs> Many. I also, especially with these two episodes, now yeah, that dude. like we're all kind of right out of the our mid twenties, like in like the upper mid twenties to late 20s little uh, stratosphere <laughs> i know but like if i say that i'll be admitting something i'm like not 100 percent ready to commit to yet but <laughs> uh, <laughs> like let me take my time um but no I, these two episodes i really felt very like i appreciate them the first time i watched them but now with like almost 10 years of distance and 10 years of lived life i was like I genuinely very moved by like the profundity of it all. I was too. I was too. I definitely like have seen um what's what's the gentleman's name Patrick Stewart is that right? Uh Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson, sorry. Patrick Stewart is Star Trek guy maybe? Yeah, uh, he's Pic- Picard. Picard. Yes, yes, yes. That would be amazing to see any sort of piece of media where Lena Dunham's romantic interest is Captain Jean-Luc Picard, which is just for any um any any moguls, any Hollywood moguls listening tonight? Um, Head up. Yeah, I mean, one of the, like, I found a lot of quote-unquote literature about this episode specifically from 2013 that all acted as if Lena Dunham was, like, romancing Patrick Stewart in this episode. Like, how, how like, we'll get, to, we'll get to it, I guess, but, like, a lot of people really find no man or one man's trash very outrageous. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I remember feeling that way myself when I first saw the episode. Like I remember like um 
I think like writing an angry Tumblr post about it when I was a sophomore in college, honestly. As, as is your want. I mean, I, I, I feel guess. like it was also one of the episodes um, that people were upset Lena Dunham was naked in. It Which was is that, crazy. <laughs> it was a big, can she put her clothes on episode. That was yeah. a, <laughs> something people love to say after like maybe every three episodes. Well, it's funny because I was reading some literature about Ep Six. Mm-hmm. We can, uh, and of course, we can, we can, we can get to this. But there are some. Um, it's interesting how people complained about Lena Dunham taking her clothes off too much. But in an Esquire review of Ep Six, the reviewer was complaining about how uh, camera shy. Um, what's her name? Who plays Marnie? Is uh, Allison Williams. Yeah, yes. like some bodies are acceptable to be like right, right, nude right. or whatever in un- states of undress, and like others are not. Like I don't know. The I pulled up a review here of One Man's Trash by the writer Emily St. James at the AV Club from 2010, and the first two lines of it are: "One Man's Trash is everything people who hate girls hate about girls." It's like the show read all the criticism about season one, a self-indulgent show about overprivileged white people and their stupid, pointless problems with a self-absorbed woman possessing no self-awareness at its center and keeps taking her clothes off. Right. And then decided, fuck it, let's just make an episode that lives up to every single one of those criticisms and make it an episode where absolutely nothing happens and dare people to like it. Oh my god. I it's mean, like no one has seen a Noah Baumbach movie. It's like this is you're just describing uh, it's just like a little mumblecore movie. Yeah. No one complains when, you know, fucking it's Ben Stiller, you know, doing nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And I will con important context. This review was a an A rating unabashed like rave about the episode, but like I did like what this writing it just heads off the criticism out the pass a little bit. Like I mean, it is a true point. It is really everything that people criticized about girls. But it's in that way it's kind of self aware about it. I, I don't want to get too in the weeds before we Right, 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 right. We're getting ahead so of ourselves. Let's let's zoom out for a moment let's let's big picture for a second let's get macro for for a moment let's get macro we need to know which girl you are before oh oh i've actually had this conversation before i think i'm like i'm like i'm like if in like this season uh of uh, this season's iteration of the characters if Mm -hmm. ray and shosh had a child i think i would be that child that's Beautiful, really great point. Really good. I'm just like I, I I resonate a lot with both of them. Although I will say, being alerted to their age gap, I think in it was episode I watched uh, episode four as well. And when they're like at the Bedford L train stop, which in itself is hilarious, mm-hmm. Ray states that he is in fact 33 and Shoshana is 21. Um, that is that's that's pretty horrifying stuff. It's it's a big old age gap. It's a big yeah. it's a big one. 
like you wouldn't know it from the show and its plotting, but Shoshan is a junior in college. That's fucking wild. I think that's what they said in the season one. Like super crazy. Very bleak. Very bleak. Yeah. But I, I am, I am their child very much. I, I think that's an excellent uh, answer. Appreciate it. What about you two? God, I mean, like, this whole podcast has been, like, my slow realization that I am a Marnie at heart, and I was Marnied within an inch of my life this oh, week. Oh, so. no! Why would you do <laughs> that to yourself? I I choose to see the positives in her, and I don't think she's as uptight, necessarily, as, like, reputation would have it regarding her character, but um, mm-hmm. I've just lived a very Marnie-ish life, and, like, with some distance i can i say that and i stand in it did you have a singer songwriter phase with your husband to be <laughs> no but i did work in music business for four years championing some like truly embarrassing artists so like that's kind of my equivalent that's really really difficult i'm 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 terribly sorry you are <laughs> entitled to financial compensation for you, your time in the music industry. Offline. <laughs> I also, Spencer, maybe through this conversation, you will also come to the Marnie ain't so bad conclusion. I no, feel like and we, I think I think I am her, there. I think I'm there. there. I think like having watched this season particularly for the first time in a year, it's not the most becoming for Marnie, especially this like episode chunk. Mm-hmm. But I do remember on previous rewatches being like, "Poor Marnie." I think we all got a little bit of a Marnie in us. Of course, we all just, have a little Marnie. Just dying to be validated, but just never being quite cool enough. I think I am uh, Hannah Shosh Cusp. Mm, are you maybe like perhaps say Hannah Moon Shosh Rising? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it. That's yeah, exactly I get that. Is. It might even be Hannah Moon, Hannah uh, Sun, Shosh Rising. Wow. That's a lot of Hannah in your chart. I know. That's a lot of Hannah in your chart. That's a lot of Hannah in your chart. Maybe maybe I'll meditate on it, but there's definitely Hannah and Shosh. I think you're both being a little little hard on yourselves. I'm going to be real. And look, for sure. <laughs> the the options are not great here. No, <laughs> like, I love true. all yeah. these women so much. But <laughs> like I I mean like when we say self-aware and self-obsessed, like or unself-aware and self-obsessed, like I don't necessarily see that mm. for me. And like to see like four flavors of that same mm-hmm. base trait, like I can't fully commit. So I just have to find, I have to poke around the margins. Well, I guess the big question is, do neither of you relate to Jessa at all? So crazily enough. (laughs) Absolutely not. Okay. Well, I actually was a self-described Jessa. (laughs) So I'm crazy. I'm a little, I'm not like the other boys. I'm a little, he's different. He's He's different. Um, but I am not finding that to be the case now. But when I first rewatched this sh- or first watched this show, and I have not rewatched since it originally aired, like Jessa's like callousness and like kind of like flitting from thing to thing, like was kind of very much where I was in my like college slash early twenties. So it was a sort of an it me vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're blowing snot rockets in the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Moment. 
so to speak. Oh my I mean, god. Yeah, I could see, Drew, I, I take back my my utter shock. I can see it, it a bit. I, I just, I feel like Jessa is so, I, I could never self-identify as Jessica. Jessica. I <laughs> think Jessica. I do kind of, and I'm glad that like, we're talking about this now because Jessa was not really in either of these episodes. Right. But like, I am truly shocked rewatching how like, out of pocket jessa is in seasons one and two like i really remember her mellowing out a lot more mm-hmm. but maybe that's just like something that happens in later seasons like i think right. girls can be divided into pre beach house episode and post beach house episode oh what an app yeah season two i feel like i asked it's season two. three okay cool i'm wildly excited for that yes um we should get into the episodes, but one one final macro level question. Spencer, who is your girl's crush or girl's boyfriend, girl's girlfriend? Jessa. Jessa. Okay. That checks yeah. Out. I mean, it's it like, God, I wish, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I kind of hate myself for that. Um, but it's just, it's, I cannot, I can't, I can't tiptoe around it. You can't deny it's, it. It's who I am. Like in the same way that, you one one must unabashedly admit that they are a Hannah Moon. Mm-hmm. I must also admit that Jessa is definitely my type. Well, 100%. it's you know it's important to be honest on a podcast. Like yeah, we, honestly, if we're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna like grasp like straws at emotional truth, like we really just have to. If we're gonna get anywhere tonight. It all starts with honesty. Yeah. Yeah. So before we jump into the episodes at hand, little recap of the last two episodes we discussed last week. Hannah tried Coke and wrote about it for a website called Jazz Hate. Hannah also found out that Marnie and Elijah- Jazz Hate? Yes, it's like a BuzzFeed uh, Jezebel uh, made up. But like jazz, like the genre, and then the word that is the opposite of love. Mm -hmm. that's, That's it. Have y'all done any like brainstorming sessions to like understand how a writer's room could possibly? I mean, I my there? immediate my immediate thought was it sounds like Jezebel and Buzzfeed, jazz hate. Huh. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, like if you're just kind of spitballing, uh, you know, different buzzwords, different media titles, you, you, that's probably where you where you end up. I have, yeah, I mean, I still have so, like, I feel like there could be an entire podcast just, like, <laughs> uh, really trying to unpack that one little moment, but okay, let's... There, let's the show is it. very good at um, naming people and things, and it's we, true. There, yeah. there are more good names in, to discuss in these episodes, but um, Hannah found out that Marnie and Elijah hooked up, so she kicked Elijah out of her apartment. Um, mm. She called Marnie a bad friend in this infamous kind of coked up rant and then Marnie started seeing our favorite very hilariously named character Booth Jonathan incredible and Jessa and Thomas John Thomas John another amazing name are getting a divorce (laughs) and Shosh is realizing that Ray essentially lives with her so that's that's where we're at um season two episode five one man's trash it's kind of the first bottle episode of the series and it kicks off this trio of like zoomed in slice of life episodes. 
Yeah, so we we opened the episode with Hannah working a shift at Grumpy's Ray's Coffee Shop when Patrick Wilson walks in and tells Ray that someone is dropping off the cafe's garbage in his garbage cans. And like he lives around the corner in this gorgeous brownstone and he and Ray get in a ginormous fight about it. They get into it. They're like yelling at each other. And we kind of, as the viewer, see Hannah like gritting her teeth and shrugging like, okay, we all know. Like we didn't even need to see Hannah. Yeah. She's, she's doing the bad thing. Um, and we see this kind of play out. Ray is denying and escalating. And then Hannah follows Patrick Wilson to his gorgeous brownstone and reveals, yeah, she is, she's the trash dumper and she's sorry. And then it's, uh, the episode unfolds in Patrick Wilson's apartment. He welcomes her in, they have sex. And then can I ask a question though? Basically, please ask him as many questions as you have. Do we think Patrick Wilson would ever live in Greenpoint or just like anyone, like a doctor who looks like Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Like that man lives in Murray Hill. Okay. Yes. Yes. But I think another thing this, these two episodes touch on is how the city is changing in the next episode. Um, I mean, we'll get into this, but one of the characters remarks like, what's a money man doing in Brooklyn? Like, I don't oh, know. Anything. Yeah. Fucking you know? Hedwig guy yeah, says that yeah. so yeah. it's uh you know it, it's another kind of i guess commentary on the way that money in the city's changing and the doctors are moving to gorgeous uh greenpoint brown sleepy sleepy greenpoint yeah i um, just looked it up in the real patrick wilson lives in montclair new jersey <laughs> oh so like, my god yeah. See that, but that that does check out yeah that that feels right that tracks more right than greenpoint yeah absolutely yeah. Okay. Um, but they're in his apartment. They're, uh, you know, they have sex and it's the bottle episode takes place in this apartment over the span of like three days. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I thought it was a really smart episode. I mean, I, I was saying to Drew before we started recording at first, I was, I was never a fan of this episode because I don't know. I, I love the, I love all the girls. I love watching their dynamics and this, I was kind of on the side of that AV club writer. Like why, why did nothing happen? But I think it, looking back on this rewatch, I really appreciated it. It's, I think this is a, as close to a perfect episode of TV period that. Oh my God. The, I was sobbing. At seven forty-five in the morning, when I was watching this, wait, like, what was the what was the what was the moment that the the cro- that the tears dropped? Uh, Hannah's monologue after, like, while Patrick Ra- is rubbing her hair, and mm-hmm. she, is it the, like, like gets so overwhelmed, like I didn't know that I was lonely until I met you thing. It was like her saying that like she didn't think that she wanted to be happy because like people right. her age aren't supposed to be striving for something like that. They're trying to be mm-hmm. collecting experiences. But she realizes that all she wants is to be happy. And I just, I, it really hit me. And then that moment where like her, she stops crying and like she kind of curdles back into narcissism and like typical Hannah behavior. Like it's just such a stunning piece of writing 
about how someone can get so overwhelmed by like sincerity and then immediately reflexively pull back on a situation like that and like use their own like you know distance and coping mechanisms and you can i mean we'll get we'll get into like the the nitty-gritty of it but like it it really i just think it's such a powerful piece of writing mm-hmm. um yeah let's let's back up a bit i I feel like, yeah, worth setting up that she's 24 and he's 42, which is another kind of um, uh, way of Lena talking about this, like, kind of power imbalance, you know, the age and maturity gap. He's a doctor. His name's Joshua. It's important that she calls him Joshua to him because she he knew a Josh that he hated. He's married and he's separated. Um so these pe- two people are like in really different places in their life. And, um, you know, he cooks her steak after they have sex and they're drinking red wine. And she's just overcome by his like evident stability and this financial security. Um, and it turns into this kind of bender. Like a love bender. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's this, again, something we briefly spoke about. It's this, big theme in the show that's really uh you know teased out in this episode the kind of youth and financial precarity and like these privileged 20 somethings struggling like somewhat by choice i that's debatable but it's hannah kind of choosing to be a a starving artist and then seeing this man's like beautiful home and the convenient life but it's also, I mean, especially when we juxtapose this against the Jessa Thomas John relationship, mm-hmm. I find the Hannah Joshua of it all until Hannah kind of ruins it to be like a pretty positive depiction of how a relationship can be imbalanced in a way, but still like positive and mutually beneficial. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like it. Yeah, you say what you will about like the power imbalance. I feel like it. They kind of ev- the two characters even each other out in an interesting way. Like, you know, she's I don't know. He thinks she's beautiful and she's young, and guys her age maybe don't like appreciate her like quirky thing she has going on, her bizarre jumper. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I it 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 almost is something that seems like it could be good until it's later revealed that Hannah's just, you know, still a very immature person who probably isn't ready for a stable partner. She stays the night and he's like (laughs) begging her to stay because she wants him to beg. It's this whole, uh, I don't know. It, I, I, it was a, it's a really captivating episode. Yeah. Like I, uh, I was, I watched um, a lot of this episode um, at the gym this morning um, while I was exercising and I caught somebody looking over at my phone <laughs> during the sex scene. Oh God. <laughs> and no. They looked at me in the way that I would look at someone who I thought was watching porn in the gym. That's so horrible. <laughs> um. So this 
This was a very interesting, like I have very uh, rich sense memory of this episode <laughs> at the moment. Oh God, did you, did you do a, um, like, did you wave your hand in a way that said, I'm not watching porn or did no, you? No, have you ever like, like <laughs> caught someone looking, like perceiving you in a way that is like shameful and so like oh, sort yes. of you like make a face where you're just like i'm so normal like i'm such a normal guy like i put on like the most like normal dour face possible uh-huh. and just like <laughs> did not, not like exert any specific energy with my body and just try to like f- show the the rest of bedsty blink fitness that i am like an incredibly normal guy who would never watch porn in the gym definitely 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 I don't think it worked though. I think they definitely reported me or something. <laughs> Vibes were off. I mean, imagine how much worse it would be if you had been watching literally any other sex scene from this show. Like, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the most positive, like, gentle sex it's scene. It's very loving. Seen. It's true. Like, if I was watching porn in the gym, like that porn would have been the most permissible to watch in public out of like the entire canon sure it's also uh yeah i don't know i feel like after all of hannah's weird like unsatisfying sex scenes it's um it's a it's a big moment for the show and as well as yeah yeah yeah. but um another note i made have to talk about her waking up and hearing him listening to Father John Father Misty. Father John Misty, I <laughs> dude, what a needle drop! Like I'm, an amazing, an amazing feat of uh, fucking music supervision. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah, we we give the music supervisors on this show flowers like almost every episode, but this one really jaw dropping knocked me out. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a fucking grand slam, Un- unreal, perfect, so good. And like exactly what this like cool divorced dad in Greenpoint would be listening to too, like in 2013. Like I just like they're uh, pairing music with character development is so hard to do and this show just knocks it out of the park every single time and whatever song it was it was like one of the like sleazier father john misty songs too like it was it it just it was it was perfect Uh, i wish i remembered what it was i i I think it wasn't even like a hit it was like a like a deep cut from like the first album yeah it's definitely fear fun but like yeah it was for real, uh, real Tillman heads. Real Tillman heads only. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I smiled at that. Yeah. I also just him like sitting next to his grand piano. It's such a, yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect, perfect image of her just waking up. You know, he asks her to call in sick. <laughs> Funny line when he goes, she says like, "What is what happens when a doctor calls in sick?" And he's like, "Like twenty million people die or something." <laughs> <laughs> so good um but that that starts their like they're playing hooky they both call in sick they play naked ping pong which is um i don't know i thought it was like a it it was definitely one of the scenes that got criticized like no one does that kind of thing it's like it's it's crazy i feel like the most outlandish thing 
they did was like the idea of like eating like a grilled steak in a sexual encounter does not yeah. sound very comfortable to me. No. Like I think there's some bloating that's going on that was not dramatized. And I wish the writers would, you know, shine a light onto the negative effects that red meat can have on the sexual experience. Amen. I also feel like, yeah, I mean, they're the whole, everything that goes down is just fantasy. You know, it's, you can't really say one thing is less realistic than the other. Like it's unrealistic right, right. that he would have a, a ping pong table at all, probably. Right. Yeah. No. And I mean, of course, of course, I, I, I joke about the steak, but I think, I think, like in on on a rewatch, like I think, like that is sort of the magic of the episode. Is it's yeah. sort of like, you know, I don't think it's necessarily embodied or like accepted by the show that this was like a figment of anybody's imagination but i do think like there is an element of like fantasy to it that is like part of the storytelling in the show that it is this unrealistic thing and like the end of the episode feels so real and i think like that is intentional yeah i mean it it is this just like hazy idol that they Mm -hmm. like mutually engage in like neither person kind of acts like the worst parts of themselves like the av club piece makes the really like astute observation that like especially with regard to like the steak and the red wine like they're eating that at the same time that they're like criticizing the people who live next door to patrick stewart for like essentially running like a hipster frat house Mm -hmm. and like patrick wilson feels so like adrift in this neighborhood like hannah does too like they're these two like lonely souls who kind of like merge for a little bit and reality sets in but like i don't know i it just it's a very like beautiful little symmetry yeah i we should definitely talk about the um her big speech after she faints in the shower she like stupidly turns up the he has a heater in the shower of course um and she turns up the temperature way too high or steamer or whatever um and faints in the bath or the shower and (laughs) he like retrieves her and is kind of rubbing her head and she starts crying and she's this is what we were referring to earlier says, please don't tell anyone this, but I want to be happy. And he says something like, well, everyone wants to be happy. And she says, I didn't think that I did. You've got the fruit in the bowl and the fridge with the stuff. I'm realizing I'm not different. I just want what everyone else wants. And I think that that speech is a really big moment for this character. Like she's kind of just realizing like, you know, life is hard. And maybe what really matters is like that you have, relationships and you feel secure and it's not all about like being this crazy edgy girl collecting stories yeah i mean she's just so overwhelmed with someone actually treating her well for once and treating her maturely that she just like doesn't even know what to do with it yeah but it's yeah i mean it's i think it's interesting that she makes that speech while doing like exactly what she is saying she does not want to be doing like i think it's like so clear like in the scope of the show that like this will amount to nothing more than like a story she will tell her friends about yeah she's like bemoaning that to this man yeah i feel like it's 
she like comes to this almost comes to the profound realization and then just flips it around immediately into this kind of like narcissistic episode where she says like i'm too smart and i'm too sensitive and i'm too not crazy i'm it's she almost gets there she's almost like wow people need people and then she totally turns it around as saying saying she's not crazy and she's actually the sane one (laughs) and like the nail in the coffin of it is when joshua tries to talk about his like whatever gay childhood experience (laughs) immediately is like shut the fuck up (laughs) like your your trauma is not approaching (sighs) my trauma Oh, it's so good. It's terrible. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, the whole scene is just they're both realizing he's he's realizing she's just this kind of kid. She's not, um, uh, you know, in any position to be a mature partner or person to spend time with. And then Hannah is almost realizing the almost realizing the thing and then not realizing the thing. And then, you know, kind of just. Ugh, I don't know. Really, really sad moment. She like wakes up the next day and I don't know, just kind of makes toast and looks sad while he's at work and then takes out the trash at the end. This like kind of small attempt at being an adult, you know, reversing the what happened at the beginning of the episode, which is her dumping his trash or her dumping trash in his cans. I thought that was a cool kind of end to it. And his shower is she adjusting the temperature of the water with like a dial inside of the shower. Okay. Because I- she's like pressing a screen. And I was trying to figure out what exactly it was. Yeah, I think she like she just made the shower way too hot or something. Like I also think I think there was maybe like a steam function. Like maybe Ah, uh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. That's that's what I gathered. She was just getting a little too uh a little too uh willy-nilly. I will just say sidebar, like I feel as though that should be like what I just said should be an accepted technology for showers instead of this arbitrary hot to cold spectrum. Yeah, yeah, like, give, me yeah. A, give me a I wanna know like specifically what temperature do I want my shower water. That would make if there was a universal temperature control on all showers, this would be so much easier. You should get it installed. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm assuming the payout from this podcast will be enough so I can install <laughs> temperature control uh, on my shower. All right. Well, we'll have to, um, we'll have to talk to corporate. Yeah. You have my routing number. <laughs> um, should but, we move on to the next episode? Julia? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we covered we covered one man's trash. Yeah. Spencer, do you have any any final notes? I just feel like I I just remember being such a hater of this episode at one point in my life. And I feel, you know, as 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 Hannah Horvath came full circle taking out the trash, I feel as though I have also come full circle on this episode and I recognize it for the the treasure that it truly is. That's beautiful. Yeah. I I'm right there with you. It's a good, it's, it's, it's an all-timer. Hall of Fame, for sure. Yeah. Um, now we have season two, episode six, which is another, it's not a bottle episode in the same way, but it's, it's bottle-ish. Like, we it's see. bottle 
It's there, bottled. There's some bottled elements for show. We have uh, a new friendship between Ray and Adam kind of budding. And then Marnie and Hannah, who are both in like separate downward spirals, but refusing to admit it to one another. So I, I think maybe we can start with Hannah's storyline and kind of... Uh, yes. I was truly thrilled to see John Cameron Mitchell play the incredibly named David Pressler Goings, um, <laughs> who is this editor. He's an editor of like a kind of like zine type thing, I guess like this, like but obviously not something that's going to like pay Hannah anything, but definitely a little bit more prestige than jazz hate. <laughs> he gets like Cosmos with Hannah complains about Brooklyn being like a corporate playground now and then tells her that she needs to write an ebook for him in a month. So like immediately betraying that like he's exploiting her content just as much as these like corporate people are exploiting the neighbor the, the creative types in the neighborhood. I do remember watching this episode when I was like us like when it first came out and like the concept of an ebook completely eluded me. Like I had, I had yeah. never, and I think I, I still, I'm still a little like sus on whether or not that is actually a thing. Like oh, I'm God. sure it is. I'm sure there are people out there who are getting ebook deals, but I have never encountered an ebook. I've I, never, I, I've never known of an ebook. The concept of like people getting paid to write an ebook is bananas to me i know and i i'm not singling anyone out here like i <laughs> love to everyone i know so many people who have self-published ebooks and obviously you're not really? going to like okay. physical copies of stuff because it's like i mean it's like uploading something to spotify like anyone can <laughs> like it's publishing is democratized but like you also it oversaturates the market so much that like it's hard to find the good stuff now, but no, you can definitely pu- self-publish an ebook. Right. I guess but- I, I just I've never really thought about someone getting an ebook only deal. Yeah, it sounds very made up. That's probably like a little bit. I mean, maybe we should do some more research, see how popular a thing this is. But that's I feel like that's almost like the gag here is. That's yeah. you know he she he she needs to write an ebook in a month and right right right. Um, Thirteen was peak like I have a Kindle culture yeah. so maybe <laughs> that's what this all is but um yeah I I also I found it funny that there's more like money commentary here when I, I mentioned earlier he's uh david pressler goings sees this businessman he knows and he's like oh what that what's a businessman do or what's a money man doing a in money man yeah and then um that plus the there's ego. some there's some light anti-semitism with that remark i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna be real i'm gonna flag that real quick oh i think you might be right um, also when, to be said. when he says um that they the his magazine or whatever likes to do high low and he says it's it's Toni Morrison doing a Target ad or someone no one's ever heard of writing about her lost <laughs> generation obviously referring to Hannah like true I, I couldn't believe my ears <laughs> like this show is so good at skewering how the creative class exploits each other between yeah. like Hannah's 
errant forays into like publishing and Mar- Marnie's series of like art world related indignities, like one of which we're going to talk about in shortly. Like I, it just like, I like how she's willing to turn the mirror on herself in this like broader sense. And like, we've talked a lot about how this show's so good about just talking about class in general, but like these two episodes were very good at that or this episode was. Yeah. I, I love, um, uh, David Pressler going saying, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but you do like <laughs> being like, Hannah, you know, you know, shabby chic, you know what the kids are into, like write an ebook about it. It's just so, it seems so funny and so low stakes yet. Hannah, this is huge for her. I mean, she does know shabby chic. Like I, she was at her like laundry basket in this episode like I every outfit was just like schlump after schlump after schlump <laughs> truly her um uh denim jumper with the rain jacket over top oh goodness uh, which we will get into shortly we should we should talk about Han- or Marnie a fit breakdown a fit break a definite fit breakdown forthcoming but Marnie Marnie's um plot line here is really fun and sad as well yeah. oh sorry go ahead well so i was thrilled to see greta lee in this who i know julie and i we have a mutual love of her and i forgot about su jin oh booth fires his assistant su jin because she ate a tiny scoop of his rose butter ice cream and she they have like a really like obviously inappropriate relationship like she just walks in on him and marnie in bed and they get in like a screaming fight and i I forgot that greta lee is the one who says have fun with your crackberry (laughs) also so so of the times yeah it that is like so of the times like this is the second pod taping i've had in the past two hours where i have brought up this show but like in high society tinsley mortimer's six episode one season uh reality show for the cw the heir to the johnson and johnson fortune throws a phone at a gay woman or uh no he's gay he throws a phone at just a regular regular woman and is like have fun with your crackberry too so i guess people were just saying that oh my god i didn't know that we did not grow up in a crackberry generation though i feel like no one our age ever had one so like wait (laughs) is this is a crackberry a blackberry and you just call it a crackberry because it's lame it's whack i guess yeah i I think that's 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 slander I had a Blackberry in in high school. That shit was absolute fire. I had a Blackberry too. The BBM was popping off. BBM was popping off. Okay, I stand corrected. I like was sequestered to having a razor until I was like 15. (laughs) And then I got I got an iPhone, but when it was time. When it was time. Wow. Uh, I I I love this scene. I, I really just the the rose butter ice cream, the crackberry, really, really great, really tight. I also, oh God, just so sad. Booth asks Marnie to be his hostess for the evening at this fancy art party he's throwing. And Marnie kind of interprets this as girlfriend duties, but we, we later come to find out 
he just fired his assistant so he needs someone to help throw this party and that's that's all there is this whole episode she is doing her like 60s like breakfast at tiffany's socialite drag like she clearly thinks when he says hostess she means like the woman of the house you know like and yeah it's just making paper shit <laughs> Meg, it, it definitely Megan Draper shit. Like yeah. it just horror, horrific to see her not get it. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, this party. We should talk about this party. Um, Han, Marnie invites Hannah um, to the Booth Jonathan party, and as we as we briefly mentioned, um, Hannah's wearing this like big rain jacket and just looks really out of place at this real, especially greeted by Marnie who's in um, this very confusing, like layered gown. She's wearing like a gold uh, body con situation and then a plasticky looking dress on top. How, how, how does one explain this dress? Oh goodness. It's, it's like, like some Xenon shit. It's it, very, it, it looks very like she got it on like, essence sale or something it, it was like xena xenon jackie kennedy like yes. <laughs> like you just you make this like foofy like 60s housewife dress but make it out of like pvc and like shimmery metallic. yeah it's it very was, like like if a midwesterner was forced to like think of what high fashion looks like yeah <laughs> that might be it that might be it no no shade to the midwest but that might be it yeah um some shade to the midwest but but also <laughs> it's like there is this weird like i'm looking at a picture right now like so yeah there is the weird like almost ziploc bag consistency fabric mm-hmm. over the top and then it looks like the gold accents underneath are weird like reptile scales like the, it looks like a golden alligator. Like I'm gonna send a picture of this to you, this 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 picture to you, Julia. I I also it does feel very of its time in a way. Like it, it there's something about the peplum silhouette. Yeah, oh God, a, pe- a peplum. Like as What's a, a really avid, it's that little kind of ruffle around the waist. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. And I was an avid Project Runway watcher during this period, and so many of the dresses that came out of that show looked like this. Like, yeah, it's very Project Runway, just horrible. And I had a full body seizure slash shudder to <laughs> see that when she's trying on outfits with Shosh before the party, one of them is the outfit in which she sings stronger. Yo! Oh my God. I just the foreshadow. I mean, like it's not foreshadowing. (laughs) It's just something they had on set, but like knowing what we know now, not in the writers' room, they had it all planned out. You know, (laughs) they were always fucking firing two seasons ahead, and the girls don't. You don't know. know. (laughs) Jenny Connors like Claire Danes with the corkboard on Homeland. Like (laughs) we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Like we have the six-year plan all laid out down to like the tassel on each rug like it's it was just oh i do love that though like it's it's a fully realized character she has a closet yeah (laughs) she has a wardrobe i do i mean i'm not knocking 
I don't want to knock like Sex me. in the City, but like I do like that these characters rewear the same stuff over and over again. Like it does feel very realistic. Absolutely. Um, we should also talk about at this party the Ezra Koenig cameo. Oh boy. Oh my God. I Booth Jonathan is like telling this story about meeting Marina Abramovic. He goes and, and he, Ezra Ezra has one line and. Which I feel like is like we're we're like I think the boys got some chops. Like I think I, I he like, makes, I like what he offered. Yeah, I think I think look, we we, we get into it. All, all I'll say before we, we dive in is I think he made a whole meal out of the scraps he was given by the writers. He did. Crumbs. Um, Booth Exactly. Precisely. Booth is telling this story about meeting Marina Bromovic and he goes, and, and I'm sobbing, which I never do. And Ezra goes I've seen you cry like six or seven times, which is beautiful. Beautiful, great delivery. I, you know, exactly what we needed from him. I, great choice. Which, uh, which which Vampire Weekend album was coming out when this was, episode aired? That was Modern Vampires. Okay, so yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, that was a big that was a big moment for for Ezra. So he'd been around. It was uh, it was a nice touch. Yeah, so that was when he was coming out of his Tavi period and entering his Rashida period. Oh no, he was. This was pre-Tavi, like because the ta- the Tavi if it all happened way later than you think it well, did. Well, no, it wasn't. But I feel like Modern Vampires there are some Tavi songs on that album. No, are there? Maybe there. Oh wait. Okay, I'm going down the rabbit hole for this, y'all banter to yourselves for a second because this no, oh, no, no, this is this is big for me like this is some lore that i am i am pretty uh i think there are some tavi songs on that you're album. right it is tavi yeah because don't oh. lie the song on uh modern vampires don't lie 1000 percent is written about uh tavi and this yeah. is my problem and like i i I don't mean this in any particular way. My view of Tavi Gevinson is so stuck in like the early rookie days. Sure. I forget that she's only two years younger than we are, Julia. That's messed up. Yeah. That's, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder yeah. what she's doing. Um, but she's on Gossip Girl. She is. That was, that's a horrible show. Yeah, when's uh, when are you, when are y'all doing that podcast? <laughs> Honestly, I would do an OG Gossip Girl rewatch. Oh yeah, I mean, as two people who went to middle school and I went to the elementary school with Taylor Momsen, I mean, we are in the ground floor on this. Yeah, I've only cool. seen two episodes of Gossip Girl, oh. so Spencer, if you, you want to like indo- like have an indoctrination episode, oh my god, the pilot alone, like you could really do like a gossip girl rewatch show through the lens of the soundtrack like the sound it's the coolest curation from like all the blog rock from that period like the pop hits like lady gaga's on an episode of gossip girl early like Like, she is in an episode like she's acting she is gaga like (laughs) this is pre-star is born when she's like putting on the drama mask but like she like does a live performance and stuff but it's it's you you of all people need to watch gossip me of all people you're because you like the oc and it's way better than the oc it is way better than the oc yeah whoa what are what are we saying what are we truth okay imagine a misha barton that can act 
But that's not, but you're defeating the purpose. Like the reason why Misha Barton is amazing is because she cannot act and yet we accept her for this. Like she is the worst actress with the most conviction, with the best conviction. Like she has all of the convictions of a seasoned stage actress and yet she does not know how to speak with like any human cadence she's like not of this earth she's not of the world it is it is like i want you know i want a whole fucking misha barton podcast just diving into those performances i I maintain i maintain you should watch gossip girl i will i will i I, I don't i don't take these allegations lightly that it's that it's better than the oc but again I, I I've seen I've seen two episodes. You'll see. Um, it's miraculous TV. Um, we should return. We should return to Mark's yes. party. Um, but or Booth's party, excuse me. Um, so we see them in the wine cellar together, and Booth is offers Marnie five hundred dollars for hosting, and Marnie was like, "What does she say?" She says, um, like, oh, like, you don't have to give me money. I, I'm your girlfriend. And he says, I didn't know I had a girlfriend. And then Marnie cries. And it's just a really bad moment uh, for everyone involved. And Booth is turning it around on her and says, you don't actually like me, you know. And, you know, no one even knows me. This party sucks. So it's it's a big gaslight fest in the wine cellar. Yeah, I found this hard to watch. Like, Marnie's life is a series of little embarrassments. And, like, her going back and, like, no, like, I don't, I think you're a good guy. And then he's just, like, get out of here. Like, I, it's just so awful. So awful to watch. Um, Marnie then, like, goes to take the subway home. And she gets a call from Hannah. And Hannah also left the party early after just kind of having a terrible time there. Um, we see her a few times talking to strangers and clearly, you know, not having it. Um, but they're both lying on the phone to each other. Hannah saying she felt so inspired to write and she's getting a lot done. And Marnie says, yeah, I'm still at the party and I'm in Booth's garden. We're watching the fireflies and they are both just struggling and not admitting it to each other. And I think that's it's a very telling, um, I, you know, arc for their relationship. Maybe not an arc, but a, a just a moment where it's these two people are so disconnected from each other and really, really pretending. But also still like parallel, like they they clearly like sort of need each other, but like just cannot. I don't I mean this show is just a gradual dissolution of their friendship. Yeah. Um speaking of friendship, should we talk about the Ray Adam plot? Yes, let's. So Hannah borrowed Ray's copy of Little Women. Amazing. Just like Adam. like an amazing detail. Yes. Impeccable. And that Ray has not read but keeps around because his godmother <laughs> he life lessons in the book for him. <laughs> it's so good. Little women. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, but yeah, Hannah borrowed Ray's copy and she left it at Adam's. So Ray goes to Adam's psycho man cave and in an effort to retrieve it. Um, and that starts their kind of uh, 
you know, day together. Yeah, I was happy to get the broad view of Adam's apartment because I kind of had no idea he lived in like a giant toolbox. Like, I have no idea what the layout of this apartment is. It kind of reminded me of like, uh, did you see the new Batman movie? Oh, <laughs> it reminds me of Robert Patton, like the Batcave oh, in the new God. Batman movie. <laughs> it does. Um, I, I cannot say I've seen it, but I... I get completely I, okay. I see why that would the be. The mention of Batman has no place on a girl's podcast. Yeah, you, there's the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I apologize. Um, Adam but, does engage in like kind of a Batman ish lifestyle. Like there's just like a random animal in his <laughs> house. Yeah, I mean, crucial to say uh, the mascot of the man cave is the dog that he stole. Um, <laughs> Ray, like, tries to go to the bathroom and then finds this vicious dog. Um, and Adam says he stole it because it seemed like the dog wanted to be rescued, which is just so sad <laughs> on both on both ends. I feel like Adam is just you know kind of losing it and uh thinks that that was an okay thing to do and ray kind of tells him uh it's not and you should send this dog and then they they go together on a mission to staten island i feel like it's it's an interesting uh kind of like what else does ray have going on like it was just a underscoring that Ray doesn't have much going on. He can just go to Staten Island during the day and Ray wanted to feel needed by Adam. I think at one point Adam was like, uh, do you think you could come like in case I need backup? And Ray goes, yeah, like some, some extra muscle in case shit gets real kind of trying yeah, to suggest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He clearly wants to like think of himself as a man and, I don't know, has been feeling useless a little bit. Yeah. Um, There's also some great banter between Adam and Ray (laughs) on their journey to Staten Island. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, Ray posturing as if he's sort of, like, this uh, Casanova. Yeah. This has this, like, grand understanding of the, the female condition. Was he? He's like, he's like, it's uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the old ones. It's not the young ones. It's uh, it's in between. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I, one of them says that. I, I think that's also just such a funny line. Like, young girls and older ladies are great. It's the in betweens that are the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I love them being the problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? So what are funny. you saying? I one point Ray says like, I like myself because i over intellectualize everything and i like you because you don't intellectualize anything at all which is just like such a drag like i love funny but like a self-own too yeah yeah god i mean i don't know i a bunch of great lines between them um something else about them both being honest men maybe because it's we're both kind of weird looking at i don't know just a really they they have great banter. They're both so different. They're also both so similar, like such similar men in this show, um, just in the way that neither of them really have that much going on. Um, and then Adam has a meltdown and accuses Ray of like 
wanting to fuck Hannah and leaves Ray with the dog that he stole, which is a hard moment. Yeah. I mean, Adam gets in some good reads, though. Like, Mm -hmm. he says that, like, Ray is really complacent in his relationship with Shoshana because her, like, naivete makes her less difficult and, like, not challenging. And I think that is maybe not fair to Shoshana, but, like, a really good read about how, like, Ray sees that relationship. Yeah. Like, she doesn't know enough to want more. Totally. Yeah, I think we also just see, like, since Ray is, you know, sticking around, it's it's just, like, the aimlessness of his life right now. Not to totally um, rip into this fictional character, but... I was crying laughing again, though, at him trying to return the dog to, like, the bratty Staten Island teen... Oh my god! Who, um, <laughs> like I, nothing she says we can repeat on this podcast. But no, I, yeah. <laughs> like again, like uh, these one second cameo scenes where like you just give a character actor a ton to do in like two in twenty seconds. Like yeah, I will say like Girls is very generous to the supporting characters. Yes, like absolutely. the one scene roles really get a lot of meat on their bones. You know. Mm-hmm. And I've liked this actor and other stuff. Her name's Olivia Lucardi. She's like, um, have you all seen It Follows? Yeah. Yeah, she's the best friend in It Follows to like Micah Monroe. Like she's good in other stuff. I didn't even recognize her as a person of interest. I have to read IMDb (laughs) for these episodes because like, I there are just so many like little character people that like you kind of blink and miss. Like I almost miss Ezra Koenig. Wow. And, which is crazy as like a deep vampire weekend stand, but like I just didn't didn't catch it until I saw it. Yeah, I this Staten Island teen uh confrontation is so funny. I mean, also just yeah, like you said, the way she totally reads him and you know, what does he say? Just basically calls him a loser with no job and Ray has a hilarious comeback. He's like, you don't know that. I could be, like, a creative type. Right. I could work nights. <laughs> I could work nights. Oh, so um, funny. It's so, and, like, also so astute about class again. Like, the creative class feels under siege from, like, you know, the corporate class. Like, like corporatization and then gentrifiers like threatening the working class like it just i, I don't know the layers on layers all of this i was like damn lena mm-hmm. damn, <laughs> snapped <Yeah>. one <laughs> absolutely snapped in the stew yeah also flashback to earlier in the episode when shosh wants ray to see donald trump speak at this entrepreneurship. oh panel. my fucking god uh, yeah that really made my my ears perk up yeah she says like don't you want to run your old coffee shop one day and he's like no <laughs> so i don't know i i think it's a both episodes are really good for for all these characters um this this one ends with Ray still stuck with the dog and he says something like he he ends on I'm nothing I don't remember how he gets to that point but he's the the day has led him here and he's crying with the dog looking out at the city yeah it's very sad poor Ray poor Ray um 
Should we get into our final segments or do we have anything else about this episode or either episode? I don't have anything else. Both of these episodes were pretty like condensed in terms of plot, which I kind of appreciated the like I did find myself missing Shosh and Jessa as I often do. Like I do mm-hmm. I like the episodes when like all four of them get a little bit to do. Yeah. Yeah, I do think, like, the magic of the show is the interplay between the four of them. Yeah. But, I don't know. I, I thought I thought they all really, they, 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 did, they did well on their own as well, for sure. So, I mean, I guess this, the lack of Shoshin Jessen makes our final segment easier. Um, at the end of every episode, we try to parse which girl we are in these episodes. Julia, do you know who you are? Um, okay. I think I might be uh unfortunately Shosh urging Ray to go to an entrepreneurship panel because I <laughs> I am that annoying girlfriend. <laughs> um and then I might also be Hannah realizing that like love and relationships are more important than writing. <laughs> Damn or not. Yeah, I was very uh, Hannah these episodes too. Though, like, I, I once again I see Marnie. I, I recognize the Marnie within, but like, there was just something about Hannah that spoke to me a little bit more this these episodes and like my personal experiences. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 getting real here. So I I will say I definitely resonate with uh, with Adam, quote unquote, rescuing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, or like stealing the dog because he thinks it needs to be rescued and then just like having to deal with the fallout of that. I'm just like, damn, that, that oh, hits. That hits. That's, that's a deep, deep connection. Dog, these these episodes hit like in Ew. such a, a, a raw ass place. Yeah. These were like, this was a real one-two punch, I gotta say. It was. I'm so glad you came on for them. Yeah, oh my god. I was just like, oh, season two. I remember that being fun. No, no, these ones are, are hard hitters. Yeah, and just ended up uh, leaving leaving Blink Fitness with my head hung low. <laughs> May, p- potentially not welcome back. Oh, I really hope I really hope you're welcome. Back. <laughs> we're, and also, like season two is not fun. Like the yeah. last, we're the next two weeks, Julia, are going to be harrowing because like we're about to get into the ocd of it which like we sort of saw hannah drinking four times from the coffee cup while trying to write oh wow and like sheree appleby is coming like i keep saying her appleby she i don't remember oh natalia like adam's like um oh yes yes, 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 yes. too nice and he like borderline abuses like it's so oh my god i'm really not excited actually for these last few episodes buckle up buckle up baby um we should also rank the girls another thing we do at the end of every week from uh you know who's on top who is uh drowning the deepest yeah we 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 should we should pit hard-working women against each other i agree exactly that's what we want to do here yeah um drew do you want to do you want to go first do you want to yeah this was an easy one for me this week because i'm for the first time taking shosh and jessa out of it because like i just can't 
it's an it's an incomplete on their mm-hmm. report cards. Um, Hannah cleared Marnie with ease this week. Marnie absolutely debased herself for for what? Um, yeah. For Hannah, all in all, had a very nice positive experience that she did ruin with her own narcissism, but um, she also got employed. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. True. Can't argue with that. Um, yeah, I feel like honestly, I mean, I'm going to expand it outward. I think, I think Ray is on bottom. Mm. He's he he might be the the below yeah. Marnie. Mm, yeah. I see. Marnie's fine. She'll figure it out. I think <laughs> there's a crucial difference. Like Marnie fails, but Ray is a failure. Wow. Yeah. If anyone ever said that about me, I would walk into traffic. <laughs> oh no! That I mean, that is the the worst. That's the worst. I think that's like the worst thing you can say. Like, yeah, that that that's scathing. Wow. Not wrong. Not wrong. And I love Ray. Ray is my girl's boyfriend, as I've said many times on this. Wow, that's so interesting. Do do you find yourself gravitating towards Ray types generally? Almost exclusively. Like not yeah, like that personality type, not necessarily like Alex Karpovsky himself. (laughs) I do think he is sexy and I do. You have an on and off August thing with uh, with Alex Karpovsky. Oh my God. I mean, like I did when I first moved to LA, I saw him and Adam Driver getting drinks at Bring It That's so funny. I was literally, I was literally thinking to myself while watching F6, like do the two of them ever hang out in real life? Like what would that actually look like? These two actors hanging I I can confirm and to bring it back to our father John Misty discussion I saw them together at the Thirsty Crow itself oh my fucking god momentous Tumblr era summit I wasn't ready for that dude that that's uh that's huge it's beautiful very poet and like this I saw them right after the the series finale had aired, so it just felt oh very like sick. God, did yeah. you hear any of their conversation? Like, were they were they enjoying one another's presence, or was it maybe like a uh, oh, I guess we got to catch up? Like, did it seem like a oh, forced no. hang, or did they was their body language connoting that there was genuine enjoyment happening? They were definitely like having a hang. Nice. Okay. I had seen I, he lived in Silver, like Alex Karpovsky did. So, like, I used to see him around all the time. But like, this was like, this was a summit, and <laughs> I don't know. I was on a date at the time, so like, I was not like clued in super hard to what was happening. But um, I don't think I would be able to not listen. Oh to yeah. Him. Oh yeah. I agreed. I'd be trying to read lips. Oh yeah. My well, God. Because it just seems like Adam Driver, like. He doesn't seem like he hangs, you know, like the idea of like Adam Driver being like, you want to go like get a drink? Like, I can't imagine him like hanging out on like a Thursday and like no, getting a tequila soda with a friend. He seems like I, a very serious person. He is. Yeah. And the Thirsty Crow is a bar for guys who cannot hang. It's so oh, fucking wow. true. It's yeah. very, very solid read. I've been there a number of times and it is not, you know, you don't go there to be silly. You know, no, you don't, you don't go, you don't go there to goof around with, with, with your boys, you go there, you go there to, there to like get, get notes on your screenplay. Wow. Yeah. It, it's like a silver, like dad bar. Yeah. yeah. But like, I feel like dad is almost like too like free spirited. It's like, 
dudes who should be dads, but they have commitment issues, so they're not. Okay, like childless oh, dads. That's a read. Childless yeah, I went there. Dads. Yeah, it's like it's like weird dads on riot dates. They like just went to Silver Lake Ramen, <laughs> and then the they, they thought they were gonna get a nightcap with the date, but they like take an Uber after the ramen, and they go to like contemplate how they've ended up there over like you know some stupid ass Amaro drink. Oh my god. I'm actually I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> the silver like ramen to thirsty crow. The like, pipeline that should have been, been shut down before Keystone was. Like, <laughs> that is out It's it's I've done it myself. It's not pretty. <laughs> oh no, it I is mean, not pretty. I lived directly across the street from Silver Lake Ramen for four years. Oh like, my god. God, it, it's, it was my ground zero, dude. Yeah, ground zero for sure. Oof. Oh my god. Woof. <sighs> yeah, this was so much fun. Yeah. Spencer, thank you so much for coming on. And I am I'm going to insist again that you watch Gossip Girl. Well, I mean I will. I will. I'm I'm hurt by the previous statements. Uh, belittling my beloved OC, but I will, I will, I will go in with 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 an open heart. If it makes you feel better, it's the exact same creative team. Oh, I did not know this. Okay, that's huge. That's huge. It's their follow up show to the OC, and like I just, I don't know. I mean, like I love the OC. Like Adam Brody is in my like Mount Rushmore of hunks, of course. And I literally, while we recorded this episode. I got an email blast from Gawker saying that uh, Gawker has named their sexiest man alive 2022, and it is Adam Brody. I don't 2022? Yeah, he won in 2022 as well. And I agree. He looks, he has aged like a fine wine. Um, But the, it just, like, it is just better in every respect. Like, the OC has, like, one truly great season in Gossip Girls. Like, Three, okay, all right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm there. And when y'all start the Gossip Girl podcast, you know, you know who to call. Yeah, yes. we might have to, Julia. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, there are only so many episodes of Girls. You know, you're gonna run out eventually. I know. I, I really, I think that that would be a really good idea. Drew, Drew Spencer will will ideate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll we'll, we'll link. We'll 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 build. <laughs> thank you so much again this was awesome we will we should do it again soon maybe for a future app yes, of course please. anytime yay thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening Woo. Right, bye everyone bye, bye.